Welcome to podcast episode 233. I'm Stuart McCullough. I'm the CEO of VHAA. And joining me for this week's discussion is Senior Workplace Relations Consultant, Daniel Pullen. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you, Stuart. And that really brings us to today's subject for discussion for today's podcast and the Medical Specialists Agreement, replacement when on leave, and some associated clauses that are relevant to the issue of uh, of workload. So today we're going to be focusing on three key clauses from the new Medical Specialists Agreement. Yes, we'll be talking about Clause 20, so that's roster design, safe hours of work. Uh, Clause 21, which is workload management review, and Clause 61, which is the replacement of doctors when on leave. And just a reminder to members that whilst the agreement hasn't yet been uh, approved, we are preparing this content in advance to support the implementation of the agreement. So let's start with the first of those clauses, Daniel, uh, roster design and safe hours of work. Uh, So Clause 20, Roster Design, Safe Hours of Work, has four elements. Uh, The first of one is uh, very simple. Um, So it provides at 20.1 that the provisions of this clause are to be read in conjunction with Clause 21, Workload Management. And spoiler alert, uh, we're going to be talking about Clause 21, Workload Management, a little bit later in this podcast. And it's really uh, the second component is an overarching statement. Uh, so it's 20.2 and it provides that the health service must not roster or arrange work hours in a way that causes an excessive or unsafe work pattern to exist. And really what that says is that preparing a roster is more about filling it. It's about considering how the hours are arranged and whether they meet that duty to provide a safe workplace. Yeah, and look, put another way, rostered as designed, um, they're not just filled. Um, and the third element of that clause at 20.3 provides that the obligation to work safe hours applies to both the health service and doctors. So there's mutuality in that provision. That's correct. Uh, the fourth and final element provides at 20.4 that while not binding on the health services, the National Code of Practice, hours of work, shift work and rostering for hospital doctors recommends minimum periods of rest between different forms of rostered work. By way of example, 10 hours between successive ordinary rostered shifts. And this is a suitable framework under which to consider safe working hour issues. So that term is pointing people to a resource that can inform them on safe rostering practices. And in that terms of that resource, uh, when this agreement is ultimately approved by the Fair Work Commission, we'll post a copy of that national code of practice on the landing page of our website. And in terms of clause 20, um, it is different to the clause that preceded it? It's similar. The first three subclauses uh, are as they were, but the fourth subclause goes into greater detail. And the previous agreement, I think, simply said that the national code of practice is a suitable framework under which to consider safe working hours. Yeah, and the new subclause 4 makes a few points, um, calling out in particular the recommended minimum rest periods between rostered ordinary shifts being 10 hours. Uh, and the National Code of Practice has more detail uh, than, than that, and we'll do a podcast on that subject in the first part of 2023. Um, earlier, Daniel, the point was made that uh, Clause 20 was to be read in conjunction with Clause 21. That's right, uh, and it's worth considering how they relate to each other. So one concerns safe rostering. And safe rostering really goes to the issue of of when work is performed. And Clause 21 concerns the amount of work. Uh, The thing that brings them together is workload as well as wellbeing and safety. 
And this clause has eight components, so we'll work through each of them in turn. Uh, the first component uh, really complements the subclause we saw earlier. So at 20.1, it provides that the provisions of this clause will be read in conjunction with clause 20, roster design, safe hours of work. And what about the second element? So 21.2 states that where a doctor believes that a health service requires the doctor to perform work in a manner that is unsafe, the doctor may first discuss the matter with the health service to resolve the issues. If no resolution can be found, the doctor may utilise the dispute resolution procedure set out in clause 11 of this agreement. And that term really goes to how the work is performed. Yeah, but in terms of how the work is performed, it could mean that the hours or rosters or something else. The key issue is a concern about safety, not the cause of it. And, and that term reiterates that the concern should be resolved locally through discussion, but then that concern can progress through the dispute resolution procedure. What about the third element? So the third element's provided at 21.3, and it provides that nothing in this clause restricts the association from assisting a doctor during discussions with the health service for the purpose of this clause or utilising the dispute resolution procedure set out in clause 11 of this agreement. The association is a term defined by the agreement to mean AMA or ASMOF. Again, worth emphasising that the association can be involved both at the discussion stage as well as the dispute stage. That's correct. Um, so moving to subclause four, uh, it provides uh, under safe workload, the health service is obliged by the OHS Act to provide a safe workplace. This includes ensuring that workloads are not unreasonable. It's recognised that managing workload is necessary to ensure a safe work environment and to ensure that the operational requirements of health service are met. What's interesting about this uh, subclause, it's going directly to that issue of workload and safety, restating that there is an obligation to provide a safe workplace and connecting that directly with workloads, which must be reasonable. And that's the overarching obligation. Uh, subclause five then addresses how that's achieved in terms of the work assigned to a doctor. Uh, specifically, it provides at 21.5 uh, that the health service will ensure that the type and volume of work assigned to the doctor is reasonable with regard to the doctor's skills, abilities, cap capacity and abil availability to perform. In considering the work to be assigned to the doctor, the health service must identify the level and type of administrative support available to the doctor and must ensure that appropriate levels of administrative support are provided. So we're talking about the type and amount of work being reasonable, taking into account certain specific factors that are relevant to the individual doctor. Those factors being skills, abilities, capacity, and availability to perform. So the second element goes to how the work is supported, particularly in terms of administrative support. It does. Uh, of course, in addition to workload considerations, there are productivity reasons for ensuring that doctors receive appropriate administrative support. Subclause 6 simply requires consultation on an ongoing basis. 21.6, it provides that the health service and doctor shall consult regularly regarding the doctor's workload. All right, and that's really about avoiding a set and forget approach. That's correct. Um, and then we get to the issue of the workload review at subclause seven. Mm. And this is especially critical part of the clause. Uh, and it provides that a doctor may request a workload review at any time. The purpose of the review is to identify whether the doctor's workload is safe and reasonable. Whether a review is requested, uh, the health service and doctor shall consult and set out the doctor's current duties and responsibilities in writing. So let's pause there for a moment because we've hit some key points already in that part of the clause. 
namely that the request for a workload review can be requested at any time. Any time, uh, that's correct. And we also have a very clear uh, unambiguous statement uh, as to the purpose of that review to identify whether the doctor's workload is safe and reasonable. And in addition to that, the process of review involves consultation and identifying the doctor's current duties and responsibilities in writing. So in writing is such an important component. Uh, that term goes on to then set out which elements should be included in that written account of current duties and responsibilities. It does. Um, and I'll, I'll provide uh, another extract from the clause. So it includes each of the following elements where relevant. So direct public patient care and related activities, which includes ward rounds, outpatient clinics, preoperative assessment, operating time, post-operative care, unit clinical meetings, inter-unit consultations, completion of operation reports, discharge summaries, case mix information, and management of waiting lists, and a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, management administrative responsibilities include rostering, uh, roster preparation, budget documents, health service reports, clinical research as required by the health service, practice in a distant location, including time taken to travel to and from the distant location, and clinical support time, including clinical support duties as defined in subclause 18.4. And I should just provide an assurance that no partridges, whether in a pear tree or otherwise, were harmed in the making of this podcast. Um, but that, that fairly extensive list, Daniel, which is not exhaustive but inclusive, is really an attempt to ensure that everything is covered. That's correct. Um, and once matters are reduced to writing, the parties then estimate the hours needed to do that work. Specifically, subclause B provides that the health service and doctor shall calculate the hours required to perform the tasks and responsibilities set out in writing. This includes taking into account that some aspects of the routine workload occur more frequently than others. So really the only thing left to cover off is, is an outcome. That's correct, and that's provided at subclause C. So the health service and doctor shall review the responsibilities and duties and any amendment to the work responsibilities and duties uh, to ensure a safe and reasonable workload shall be recorded in writing. And I should note for the sake of completeness uh, that the clause re reiterates like any term under the agreement that a dispute about it can be subject to the dispute resolution uh, clause. That takes us on to clause 61, uh, which is another term that concerns workload replacement of doctors when on leave. So this clause has five components, and the first is as follows. So clause 61.1 uh, provides that where a doctor is absent on planned or unplanned leave, the health service will replace the doctor. If not replacing, will result or will likely result in an unreasonable workload. So the first thing that jumps out for me, Daniel, is there's no minimum time here. It's simply a case of there being an absence on leave. And it could be any kind of leave, but the second component in that clause is that the obligation to replace arises if not doing so will or will likely result in an unreasonable workload. So just um, speak a little bit more about that phrase, will or will likely. So it's true that a person may not be certain that the unexpected can occur, uh, but it's possible to know that the likely effect of an absence. So it's not about being absolutely certain that there'll be a workload issue, but uh, you might know enough to, to know mm. that it's more likely than not. That's um, correct. The second element goes to the issue of consultation, though. 
So 61.2 provides that except where the health service has already decided to replace the doctor on leave, the health service must, as soon as practicable in the circumstances, and with no less than two weeks notice where there is already notice of the leave, consult with doctors affected by the absence regarding the workload impact when considering a replacement for a doctor on leave. The health service will record the outcome of this consultation in writing, for example, as an email to the affected doctors. And worth noting, when we talk about consultation here, we're not talking about organisational change style consultation. We're talking about consultation in the pure sense, which is an opportunity to influence the decision maker uh, as such, uh, but not joint decision making. So the first few, th uh, first, uh, the first thing that jumps out there, though, is that um, is that trigger. That is, if you haven't decided on whether to replace, that's when consultation is required. That's correct. And in terms of when, firstly, no less than two weeks before, assuming the employer has got two weeks notice or as soon as practicable. And in terms of the why of that, um, the consultation has a particular subject. It's over the workload impact of the absence. Correct. Uh, and then recording it in writing, which may be an email. Uh, and this goes to a really consistent theme with respect to workload and engagement over workload. Um, but subclause three uh, in this term is a little bit unusual. It is, and it provides at point three that where a doctor on leave is replaced, the health service is responsible for finding the replacement. So normally that's not an issue, but I would guess that this uh, addresses what might have been an historical practice. That's correct, but that historical practice doesn't meet current standards. Uh, so this simply makes the point that it doesn't work that way anymore. Subclause four then provides that for the purpose of this clause, unreasonable workload means being unable to perform all aspects of their position and or role during the ordinary hours of work, informed by consultation in writing with the affected doctors. So that's quite a basic definition, an unreasonable workload being one that, that doesn't fit within the hours. That's correct. And if the ordinary workload relies on additional hours, then there's a mismatch. Um, the final subclause complements that that if replacement of a doctor is not possible, the health service must take reasonable steps to manage the workload of the remaining team. This could include reprioritization or amendments to services. It's really making the point that workload is something that needs to be actively managed. Which might be about prioritizing to ensure the service needs of the health service are met. So, or determining what needs, uh, what needs to be done and what doesn't need to be done on a particular day. That's correct. So Daniel, we're a few podcasts in, uh, and it's fair to say that workload and the management of workload uh, are primary themes uh, for terms under a number of agreements, including the new agreement for medical specialists. It is. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you.